0: This is Carson Wentz of the Philadelphia Eagles. No, that's a fake pass
1: to Jeffrey into the touchdown.
0: And you're listening to the Eagles Live Podcast with Dave Spadaro. Welcome, Eagles everywhere, to the Eagles Live
1: Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Insider Dave Spadaro with you and the Eagles back on the field this spring. Well, in a different kind of way, now able to do seven on seven, nine on seven, and 11 on 11 practices. The organized team activities have begun, and the big news of the week is that number 11, franchise quarterback Carson Wentz, is on the field. On Tuesday, head coach Doug Peterson addressed the media and said what had been reported previously Carson Wentz, under absolutely no restrictions. He practiced on Tuesday, no leg brace, he looked great, and afterward, He talked to the media. It's been a long journey back from an injury that took him out of the mix last December, a back injury that sidelined him for the final month of the regular season and the two playoff games. And now Carson Wentz is back
0: and glad to be on the field. Anytime you go through a struggle or adversity, uh, really just in life, you always learn something from each of them. So I'm just trying to keep pressing forward and and grow. And um, for me, it always just challenges my faith and what I believe and surrendering that control to the Lord. Um, So that's where I get challenged the most and where I grow the most is in my faith. But uh, at the same time, I'm excited. I'm excited to be back out there Um, and excited for what this future and what this season is going to hold.
2: Was there a moment out there today where – you kind of stepped back mentally and just like soaked it all in, or was it was a kind of all business. How did, how did it um, feel out there?
0: I tried to just keep it business as usual, honestly. Um. But at the same time, any time, I mean, once you're back here for OSP, so the first time there's a lot of excitement. And today, finally on the field going against the defense uh, and, and what that brings and team drills and everything, there's just there's always more excitement. So um, so there's that element. Obviously, maybe a little more for me just because it's been a while. But um, at the same time, I try to just keep it business as usual and, and go complete some passes. So that is quarterback Carson Wentz. Obviously,
1: he's not the only story happening with the Philadelphia Eagles as the OTA season kicks off that leads into a mandatory minicamp. Now, remember, everything that is happening right now is voluntary. The player is not wearing pads, and but they are on the field, and it's a really good environment here and a very positive one. And You look out on the field and you see a team that has competition at every position. So in this Eagles Live podcast, in a little while here, we're going to catch up with center Jason Kelsey and talk about his very adventuresome offseason, among other things, with the Eagles All-Pro Center. But first, let's go into the locker room and talk to some players, some early thoughts on the Eagles and the spring as the OTAs are here, one step closer to training camp 2019. dallas Goddard, Eagles tight end, when you look back at last year, they always say the first year is a blur. Was it a blur as a rookie?
3: Uh, yeah it, it really was um you know each week went fast um and there was just so much thrown in each and every week learning the new offense learning the defenses um obviously everything was new um but just looking back I was like I don't even really remember playing some of the games so um I feel like I've came a long way since my rookie year I'm excited to keep growing
1: in what ways do you think you're a better player
3: everything i'm able to play faster um, my routes are better i feel like my technique blocking is better i know who i'm blocking i know uh, what other people are doing what's will just help me as a player
1: does it all slow down as you take every step along the way
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, I remember this time last year, my head was spinning every time I stepped out on the field, Um, and now it's you just kind of go out there, hear the huddle call, and it's just kind of like the back of your hand—you just know it.
1: When you look at these rookies now, you can kind of understand what they're going through. Have you reached out to any of them and said, "Hey, don't worry, it's it's going to be okay"?
3: Yeah, a couple of them came out to me and asked me different questions: How do you learn the offense? Uh, How do you figure out how fast Carson's going to throw it? Things like that, and it's. It's just, uh, you know, repetition. It'll come. Um, obviously, none of the coaches expect you to know it on the first day.
1: You're a grizzled veteran now, Dallas.
3: I like to think so. You know, they say you're a rookie until your third game in your second year. But uh, I feel like I can still help them out a little bit. Thanks so much. Thank you.
4: Malik Jackson. So how's it been being a Philadelphia Eagle? It's been cool. You know, uh, getting all the guys. Everybody's really cool. Um, help me learn the plays, you know, get the system right uh it's been it's been fun yeah
1: they say it takes a lot of
4: time to kind of assimilate into a locker room have you found that to be the case um it's actually really easy because these guys are very friendly you know everybody's very understanding um we have a healthy respect for each other i know who these guys are they know who i am as a player so to come in here and get to know them as people it's pretty pretty easy but uh just learning the defense you know trying to switch uh mindsets of what they want and what i've been doing is the, it's the hardest part but uh we're getting there
1: early thoughts on the scheme i mean you came in you your understanding was aggressive would really fit what you do is that kind of the way you've been thinking about it
4: oh yeah you know I definitely been thinking about it like that and it does fit me you know but once i kind of get away from just thinking of you know play blocks then it'll be a lot easier you know it's just got to forget what i've learned and what i've done and just kind of come in here and and uh just do what they want and, and it's coming along but it's day one so we'll get better
1: how would you describe what you know of the mood in this building
4: uh relaxed, fun um straight to business you know um it's a fun atmosphere, but we understand it. It's about business when you're in here, and uh, I like it like that.
2: Hey, Jordan Malata, what was it like to get out there again in, in year two, and how far do you think you've come? It was awesome. Uh, I think today was a was an awesome day for me, especially starting at right tackle now. Um, but reflecting from last year and this year, it was like day and night. I feel more comfortable now understanding the plays and what calls to make and the technique to execute. So for me, it was like day and night. I feel more comfortable now, especially with the plays and in the huddle. Uh, It slowed down for me. So, you know. Did you wonder how it would be day one here? Yeah, I I actually did. Today, I was like thinking like, I don't know how it's going to be. I want to know how it's going to be, especially starting at a new position. So I was like, I was a bit, um, I wouldn't say concerned, but I was a bit uh, cautious about it, you know, how to approach it. But as soon as I got on the field, I was so comfortable, you know, having Kelsey making all the calls and just having big V.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So, so you're lining up against Brandon Graham. He's got that burst off the edge. What was your What was your approach today?
2: I, was, I saw him. When I first saw him today, I said, bring it. I said, bring it. I don't want you to go easy. So I think I knew BG. I just didn't want him to, uh, you know, bull rush me. That's his favorite move. So, uh, uh, B. Brooks gave me a few tips before I went out. So he it was like, you know, stay low when you go against uh, BG. And so going left side to right side wasn't a huge problem for you? It Honestly, um It feels a bit weird. That's because I didn't get that many reps last year on the right side. But apparently, the boys were like saying, Yeah, you look good. Looks normal. And I was like, Okay. Good start, man. Congratulations. Thanks, Dave. A lot lot more to go, right? Yes, sir. Still got a long way to go.
1: When we return on the Eagles Live podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group, Jason Kelsey, Eagle Center. Always entertaining, always thoughtful. We go deep into his offseason when we come back in just a moment.
4: Speed. Power. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The NCAA Men's Lacrosse Championships. May 25th through 27th at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. In the stick, boom, on the money, cradle, and a pass. With the first championship! Visit NCAA.com slash lacrosse to get your tickets Today.
1: Pleased now to be joined on the Eagles Live podcast by Eagles Center, Jason Kelsey. Some guys go to the beach in the offseason. Some guys do a trip to see their families. You, Jason, climbed Mount Kilimanjaro.
5: I did. I did go to the beach, too. I don't did wanna...
1: you? <laughs> Before or after Kilimanjaro? My wife and I went to
5: Maui, so oh, I got geez, that in as well. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: what kind of training did you do for Kilimanjaro?
5: Um, Not enough. Is, <sighs> no, not, is it hard? So it was extremely hard to me. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um. And way harder than I thought going into it. My buddy, Connor Barwin, um, I don't know if he lied to me or if it was as easy <laughs> as he said it was. He gave it a 3 out of 10. Um, for me, it was a 10 out of 10. One of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, what made it so hard? Describe what you do. So, well, first of all, it's completely different than, you know, probably what I'm what I'm built for and what I've been training for my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of, a, you know, 5 to 10 second bursts, uh, you know, this is a 5-day climb or 6-day climb. Um, you know the first four days are pretty easy. Um, you know, walking like three or four times, uh, three or four hours at a time. You know, you're not setting a blistering pace or scaling uh, rock rock climbing or anything like that. So it's kind of li- quite literally a walk in the park. Okay. Um, and then the last day, you get up at midnight uh, to to make your ascent to the top. And I think part of the reason you go at midnight and the like the, the pitchest black, darkest dark you've ever seen is. Simply so you don't see what you're about to do um, and you just start walking and skip backs, which is, you know, it's it's too steep. Well, it's kind of it's a combination of it being too steep and us being not good enough climbers to go straight up. So you walk in like a zigzag pattern to kind of level it off a little bit. And you're doing that from midnight. Uh, for us, the route we were on, we were doing that from midnight to 730 till we got to the top of that. And that's like right when the sun's coming up as right, well. right. You get a beautiful view and everything. Um, And then once you hit the top of that, you're at like 18,500 feet. And then you start another hour and a half, two-hour trek to the peak. And then you're officially at the peak of Kilimanjaro, the roof of Africa.
1: And you're sleeping in tents, right? Yes, sleeping in tents. And Sherpas are leading the way?
5: Yeah, porters Porter's and uh, Sherpas guides there. I mean, we did a pretty... Um, you know, it was a pretty white collar climb. I don't know how else are, you to on, describe, are you on camels yeah. or are
1: you on uh, no, horses
5: or no animals. Um, uh, there was a lot of porters uh, putting this um this excursion together, and I don't think it's typically like that. I think it was probably because we had such a large group, and um, you know, the the outfit that we went with was, you know, probably one of the better ones. Uh, but it was it was almost about ten porters, you know, per guy going up, and they're carrying. Um, really, all the heavy stuff. You know, all you have on for the day is, you know, a, a pack with some water in it and some, you know, granola bars. And yeah. you know, then you see these guys hauling up, you know, jugs of water and, um, you know, fifty-pound bags and tents and all these things. And um, it, it's first of all, it's amazing that they can do this so easily. I mean, it didn't even phase those guys. Um, and for me, you know, it was, it was very, uh, you know, eye-catching uh, at the ability of those guys. Spiritual. Very. Yeah. And in in a way, um, you know, I've, I've never seen, um, that kind of, you know, darkness, that kind of, uh, um, I don't even know. The sky must've been amazing. Oh, it was incredible. The, The stars are unbelievable. Um, but even just, you know, there's not another living thing up there. It's almost like you're, um, in a different world than you've ever been. You know, there's not, you know, once you get above a certain level, there's no foliage, there's no anything green, nothing's living up there. Matter of fact, we've passed a, um, a buffalo that had frozen at one point and it was just like stuck in the side of a cliff. Crazy. It was pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so you get up, how, Jason, dumb question maybe, but how do you get down?
5: Uh, you run. No, quite literally. Seriously, Yeah. So once you get, and part of the, we went a little bit slower than probably what's ideal because we have such a large group of guys. We had, uh, eight or nine military veteran, and then eight or eight players, I believe, uh, not to mention the guides and the porters and there. So we have a law, a lot of people, and, you know, obviously with the more people, it leads to more guys stopping and starting and it kind of takes a little bit longer. And um, so that also means that you're above the seventeen to 18,000 foot threshold, right? Which is where your body really starts, um, you know, going into shutdown mode with the altitude. And uh, once you get up to the peak, you're, you're taking your pictures and you're getting down as fast as possible. Um, did you the, fear anything? Did you did you have fear on the trip? No, I mean it's, I didn't have fear. Some guys did. Um, I mean there are a few people that you know die every year. Yeah, um, but most of those are you know older people uh, like heart attack, stroke, uh, brain aneurysm type stuff. That I think you know I felt like I was in pretty good shape. I didn't think it was going to be too dangerous. But but yeah, you're you're running down the mountain because the faster you get down, the faster those altitude sickness and altitude effects you know dissipate.
1: And this was just to be an opportunity to hang out with Connor.
5: Uh, well, it's and Chris. Chris, Long. Chris, Chris Long. So Connor went, went the year meet. before,
1: and then uh, didn't Haloti also went,
5: right? Uh, me, Chris Haloti, and Bo Allen were the former Eagles mm-hmm. on the trip. Yeah, okay.
1: But it was <laughs> it's the first time you and Bo had been together since the parade. <laughs> it was, <laughs>
5: it, yeah. But we actually, Bo and I were the ones that we went to Maui earlier, okay. so we were sunbathing. That's how we trained, anyways. But uh, <laughs> no, um, I wouldn't say that it was just to hang out. I mean, the Chris Long Foundation. Right. Uh, What they do over in Tanzania, that was the main purpose of everything was to see the the wells that they put in for the areas that are struggling to have clean water. You know, Um, seeing the kids uh, at school and um, the water conditions that they're getting from a creek about a mile away was uh, was really, really eye-opening. So credit to Water Boys and the Chris Long Foundation for putting that all together. Awesome. Really, really cool experience. Awesome. Well,
1: I consider you now a Mount Kilimanjaro expert. So we've got Mount Kilimanjaro trivia oh, man. for Jason Kelsey. All right, here we go. This band references Kilimanjaro in their hit song, Africa. We are looking for the original artist. There are two artists.
5: Really? I thought Toto. Was- Toto's one of them.
1: And there's, it's been a modern version of that, a cover version of that.
5: Um, well, I know uh, Straight No Chaser covered it as an acapella group. But that well, that's not, not, that's not, my, that's not on my list. That's not on my list. And that's actually, that's, that wasn't a full cover, so maybe I'm... Weezer. Whatever. Weezer. With the cover, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. I I have not listened to a lot of Weezer.
1: All right. To the nearest hour, Jason, what is the fastest time recorded for a person summiting the mountain and returning to their starting point? So I
5: think I know this one Okay. because I think they told us 10 hours. A little bit less than that. A little bit less. Eight. Six hours, 42 minutes. But I know the way they do it. How do they do it? So they walk up. So the way the competition runners do it is they walk up to the top, the peak of the mountain to acclimatize, and then they actually go down instead of going up and down they go down and up and I think that that qualifies uh, as a full scale uh, but it also allows them to acclimate their bodies so that on their sprinting way back up they don't have to um, get used to the altitude again that's incredible
1: all right true or false the amount of people who reach the summit versus people who attempt is 66% um, 66%
5: success
1: success yes true or false false True is the answer. Mount Kilimanjaro is not active, but is dormant, meaning it could erupt again. Or is it extinct, meaning it will never erupt again? Extinct. It is dormant. Its last eruption was approximately 200 years ago. Last one. The difference in age between the youngest and oldest successful climbers is greater or less than 70 years.
5: Wow. Um, I'm going to say greater. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Youngest, 7 years old. Oldest, 86 years old wow yeah seventy nine year difference um
5: there you go That's perfect your... all
1: right oh jason how's how's everything I, I, I can't believe it's your ninth year of of
5: n f l football yeah it seems like i just got here um you know pretty remarkable um with the the career um that i've been fortunate enough to have here and then also uh the guys that i've been able to be a part of the team that i teams that i've been able to be a part of uh you know this organization second to none it's been awesome um so yeah, I'm I'm happy to come back for my ninth year.
1: When it's all over, do you think you'll remember the games, the times, the players, the locker room?
5: What? Uh, for sure, the locker room and the players. Yeah, I think that you know, and especially you know, we were up. Actually, on Kilimanjaro doing like a Q and A with Chris and Bo, and they asked us like our our favorite moments of uh, being in the NFL, basically, and not one of us mentioned the Super Bowl. And I think that that's kind of telling that you know the Super Bowl is an ultimate goal and the ultimate achievement that you can accomplish. But, um, ultimately you realize that, you know, it's, it's really about the guys that you, that you did it with, uh, the adverse times that you've been through that have not only made you better your team, but your team better. And, um, you know, those are the things that you remember the most, you know, the little things at training camp that really stick out and, uh, the misery, Stands out more than the good a lot of times.
1: I would imagine for you, Jason, it is impossible to go a day around here without being asked about the parade, about the speech, about being thanked, being congratulated. Is that an accurate statement?
5: Uh, in Philadelphia, for sure. Yeah. If I'm if I'm out of side of the city, I can kind of lay low. But um, you know, it's great to be honest with you. I mean, I've, unless I'm in like some sort of unbelievable hurry, um, you know, sitting and hearing a guy tell me about how it um us winning the super bowl was like the greatest thing that his father could get um you know before he passed away you know uh you know seeing the joy on kids faces and and all that I'm you know really blessed if that's the hardest thing I got to go through
1: <laughs> yeah so you don't look at it like it's a curse like it's oh my gosh I can't no, get away from this
5: it's incredible i mean there i don't want to say like you know there's times where you're trying to get someplace in a, in a quick hurry that maybe it's that case you know I was at the phillies game the other day and then it can become overwhelming at times um but for sure when it's you know when it's in a controlled environment or when, whenever it's like, you know, just out to eat or just, you know, very organically seeing somebody, um, you know, that still puts joy on my face every time.
1: Last one, Jason, what is it that you love about the game of football? What keeps you coming back for more?
5: Again, it's the guys. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, I think that, you know, I do love to play the game, you know, selfishly just on my own, um, you know, competitiveness. Um, but none of this stuff would be possible, uh, you know, without the teammates that I've had, without, Uh, The guys that I've been fortunate enough to not just learn from, but compete Um, against—you know—it really, you know, it really forces or um, what's the word I'm looking for? It really um, allows you uh, to become a better person, a better player, a better overall individual um, by interacting with um, guys that are equally as competitive and hungry as you are on a day-to-day basis.
1: I asked Carson Wentz, by the way, the sneaky best athlete in the locker room, and he said, "You." Wow, people people don't realize just how much you're how just a dominant athlete you are. Well,
5: maybe Chris is just being nice to me, but I'll take it. Yeah,
1: man. <laughs> I thought he was going to say Jake Elliott. Who would you say is the like the best athlete? Who maybe nobody thinks about?
5: Man, do you think um, about, do you think
1: offensive linemen are great athletes?
5: Yeah, I do. I think that you know it might get lost because we have to be pretty large in order to do it, and um, that's going to be hard to be successful at other weight at other sports while you're that heavy. But, I mean, if you look at, you know, in particular, our offense line with Jason Peters, um, I mean, what that guy has been like his whole career is incredible. Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, for a guy his size to move like that, um, you know, we're really fortunate to have some incredible athletes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that being said, um, best athlete on the team. That nobody knows about. That nobody knows. Like, very unassuming.
2: Yeah.
5: Um, Man. You know, I think you know, Jake's a pretty good Jake's a very that's good. a very good answer. I
1: think I think all every kicker, punter, I know they're all great golfers, they're all like
5: yeah, they're, so freaks. Kick, so well kickers, punters, and quarterbacks are usually the best golfers. Yeah. Almost all the time. Do you have any game any kind of golf game? Um I'm hit or miss on the golf I'm I'm pretty good with my irons and the long portion. Um I don't play enough to be uh, right. a good punter. Will you ever, do you think, someday? Uh yeah maybe someday yeah you know once I got some more time and I'm not so worn out from lifting weights and running
1: yeah when you last one this i, I promise this is the last one I'm enjoying is uh sure. it, when you went one on one in basketball in the driveway against travis mm-hmm. your brother how'd that turn out
5: well, um up until I was about a senior in high school, um I could beat him pretty much just on being bigger and you know more athletic at him, and uh it wasn't until his sophomore year that he officially got taller than me. Um, And he really started, uh, you know, developing coordination and um, athletic ability that he far surpassed me. And I'll never forget us playing. It was the last fist fight we've been in. We're playing one-on-one basketball in the backyard. He's killing me. So I resort, of course, to following him uh, to stay in the game. And, uh, you know, we go into the kitchen afterwards and we're yelling at each other. And fist fight ensues. And it's ended by me falling on top of my dad and him screaming like, oh, my ribs, my ribs. And uh, and then we're both like, oh, dad, you all right? You all right? And um, so that was the last uh, time I've played one-on-one basketball against him and coincidentally the last fist fight we've ever been in.
1: Boys will be boys. (laughs) Jason, Kelsey, thanks so much for joining us on the Eagles Live podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Eagles Live Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Many thanks to Peter Kelly, to Chris Barletto for putting it all together. Thanks to all of you for tuning in each and every week. We're back next week with another edition of the Eagles Live Podcast. In the meantime, Eagles insider Dave Spadero telling you, have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly, Eagles fly.